how do I serve a landlord that had somebody not pay their, their rent? How do I help that person? How do I help the tenant find someone else? How do I help somebody that's got behind on their mortgage on a delinquencies? This is a time where you can really make hay by actually serving people that have been in a bad situation. So the question is this, how do most agents find the secrets to succeed in today's competitive real estate market, especially when the top agents are keeping those secrets to themselves? That's the question, and this podcast will give you the answer. Hi, I'm Aaron Amuchastegui, and welcome to Real Estate Rockstars. Hey, Real Estate Rockstars, this is Aaron Amuchastegui. Hey, I am back for a state of the market. It's been a while, I have to be honest. It's been at least three or four weeks since I've gone through and picked news from the headlines and tried to give you guys opinions on what I think is going on with the real estate market. I know there's a bunch of crazy news out there. I was actually talking to a friend of mine, Elliot Smith. We were just on a Zoom talking about business, different things like that. And I said, hey, do you have another 30 minutes? If so, let's hit record and let's talk a little bit about the news. Elliot, how's it going, man? It's going good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm excited. You came on my show a couple of weeks ago. Actually, it was like our first date. You know, I didn't know much about you and you didn't know much about me. I'm like, hey, let's hop on a show and record our conversation. And then we got to know each other at GoBundance. And uh, now here we are talking business stuff. And um, thanks for having me on. Talking again. Yeah, the uh, that's always the best. That's while, while we were talking, while we were chatting, I was like, why don't we just hit record? Like, well, let's, 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 let's do this. Let's, let's keep having these conversations about what we think is going on, but let's share it with everybody else. The, so Elliot's podcast is the real deals podcast. The, he interviewed me over there. We had a lot of fun and it was a good time to have Elliot on back over here. Elliot, what do you guys talk about in your podcast? Mine's more real estate investing mindset and just really kind of following along um, my journey of what I have going on. So I mix it up with getting interviews in there with guys like yourself, Brandon Turner, you know, names in the real estate industry, but then I'll do solo shows as well. And I'll talk about, you know, our investing career. We own 66 units uh, doors right now. We're buying a 32 unit. We're building another 35 units, um, doing some development and just learning how to grow and finding people to talk to on how to get better and then implementing and talking about it. Yeah. It's all good stuff. We talk about, and we can learn so much from podcasts and then being able to share experience and people love the experience. It's so much fun. You used to have to pay so much money to get educated in the real estate space. And when I started buying foreclosures, there was nobody else doing it. There were three other guys on the courthouse steps and they were not going to tell us how to do it. They wanted to shoo us out of there. We had hundreds of houses selling. There was only three bidders. We had to teach ourselves and luckily, luckily it worked out and yeah. uh, you know, worked out for, for me and for us and for partners. So you know, before we get into the real estate news, the reality is there's a whole bunch of crazy news going on in the world this week, and it's not much fun to talk about. So the I, sad, I don't want to get sad news. Gonna, yeah, sad news. I'm not going to get politically charged today, but I want, but I need to at least mention that because sometimes when I reach out to people the last few days, and I've been like, hey, do you want to hang out? Do you want to go golfing? You want to talk about this? I've had a few replies back from people that are like, haven't you seen what's happening in the news? And I, I want to I want to give it the respect it deserves and say there's plenty of news happening out there that is harsh, that is crazy, that's sad, that the that depending on your political opinion, there's a lot of blame and anger to be pushed around. And I want to just acknowledge the fact that, man, the stuff that's going on across the world in Afghanistan is saddening. You know, there's there's so much of that stuff going on. But I but I'm not going to try to tell you how I think that's going to impact the real estate market. Elliot, you want to add anything to that? Any thoughts about that? 
Yeah, I think uh, you nailed it spot on and not even from a political perspective. I think it's sad. I think there's a lot of sadness in the state of where our country has gone over the last, let's say, even four years with Trump and how it's gotten uh, separated in a lot of ways. The one thing that I've always believed in in America is when tragedy or bad things happen, Americans rally together. Like if you look at World War II, look at world, um, you know, you look at 9-11, you look at all these different big things. Americans are really good at rallying together and coming around with each other and finding common ground. And it's so hard to do that right now. And I just wish we could find common ground on the sense that we probably shouldn't have been in Afghanistan for 20 years. We all, most people agree on that, but the way we pulled out was really poor and 13 people lost their lives. And we have people stuck in Afghanistan and we should, we should never leave anybody behind. And so it's, it's, and I know that there's so many things going behind the scenes that we probably just aren't privy to. And it's easy to blame Trump or Biden and say, you're terrible, but there's so many guys and layers behind them. It, it's just unfortunate. But at the end of the day, 13 service people died for us for a cause that, you know, it seems like at this point might be a waste because it just got taken over. So it's very sad. And, and I, you know, we lowered our house flag to half mass and, you know, this is the time Americans are very, Americans are very good about coming together in strategy. So. Yeah. That's the, the best, most hopeful thing we can try to come up with is that it's, it takes, unfortunately it takes crazy things for us to pay attention. Yeah. It's crazy. I mean, at least for me, I can speak for myself. Like it's, I try not to watch news that's non-real estate related. Now, I also know that it's important to watch some of that because it all impacts stuff, right? Inflation is impacting what's going on. The price of gas is going to impact home prices. And over the last year, we've talked all about COVID and people working remotely and how that is affecting the types of houses people want to live in and everything else. So, yeah, And Hurricane Ida, you know, that affects, you know, that was another thing we didn't mention that. That was terrible. We, they knew it was going to be bad when it came in. And it luckily, it looks like they did a really good job after Katrina rebuilding the levees and, and those things held. The power grid didn't hold. But that's going to be a lot of devastation for a lot of people. And so, but how does that affect? Because what is it? I think 80% of our oil refineries, oil, and it comes through the Gulf, right? Through there. And so they shut down, what, 91% of the, the oil production in the Gulf basically got shut down. So how is that going to resonate with gas prices that are already going through the roof? <laughs> yeah, the uh, it is that's great, and, and that will impact for years to come, like what we saw with Katrina. There's some property and real estate that kind of never came back afterward. There's a lot of places it's opportunity to rebuild. You know, one of these first articles that I was going to share. If you guys are watching this on YouTube, you'll see. You know, you get to see it on our on our YouTube page. If not, you get to hear it, and as we get to talk through it here, but this first article that just came up from the Wall Street Journal, and it talk it you know talks about how um, mixing hurricanes with low rates impacts insurers. So reinsurers may be limited in how much they can use pricing to protect themselves from losses. It says Hurricane Ida is certainly to be a big insurance event. That means for investors has a lot to do with interest rates too. Some early general estimates for Ida's potential insured damage toll have so far been in the range of 10 to $25 billion. One of the worst U.S. natural catastrophe losses in recent years, but a good amount of the loss burden in Louisiana would fall to the reinsurers, which primary home and auto insurers use to cover their own exposures beyond a certain point. So the, you know, I don't know a whole lot about how kind of insurance works, but one, well, some, a couple of things that they're saying in these stories, there's a few of them. There's also one from business insurance saying Hurricane Ida losses could reach 25 
billion dollars, which and it, but it was below the record sixty-five billion uh, from Hurricane I, uh, from Hurricane Katrina, and it shows you know how it's going to be boosted by pandemic pricing. It says they're not on the other thing that's happening right now is it costs more to get everything fixed, everything that yeah. people are getting done. So like there's a shortage of contractors already. There's a shortage of materials already. And now you've got the insurance stuff coming in. And one of the things that tends to happen is when there's major insurance events like that, sometimes some insurers can't continue to insure. Sometimes the government has to step in, but it usually upticks interest rates for a little while. Because there's a lot of very safe, a lot of our, the lowest in interest rates that we have and things are usually from life insurance companies, from other insurance companies, that they have more money on the books than they need. And so, you know, they're doing these you know, kind of non-conforming loans at lower rates or on bigger things. So life insurance companies tend to be big lenders. Property insurance are also big lenders. So when they have big events, they tend to have to raise other interest rates later. So one of my predictions with this would be we would see a long time for build out out there. Uh, and then we'd also see you know some insurance rates, especially in the non-conforming investor type market, go up a little bit. You have any predictions on what how that might affect the housing market down there or sales prices or what other impacts that hurricane might have? Yeah. So in, insurance is an interesting game. I mean, those guys are working on like a five, four or 5% margin, very small margin. They expect to pay out, I think somewhere in the 92 to 95% range of the insurance that they take in, mm-hmm. but they don't expect to pay it all out at 18 to $25 billion clips. Right. So they take that money while they're waiting to pay that out and they invest it. Right. Maybe they buy treasury bonds. Maybe they buy, you know, they're in safe assets, like an S and P fund, things like that. So my prediction in that thought process is it will raise at rates, I think, to a certain extent, but I also think that it might lower like the 10-year treasury or treasury yields because they're going to have to sell out of those to, to bring capital in to pay and cover some of these insurance things earlier than they thought they might have to. So it's going to pull some, but it will pull some liquidity out of markets, like you said, for the real estate, things like that. The, the thought process, I think, behind it is prices are inflated. They can't get materials. You know, lumber prices have been coming down in our area. I don't know about you. You have oil. So you're going to have, if oil shut down, gas prices are already going. So trucking is going to be more expensive. So you're going to see probably a higher tick in inflation in those items that need trucking. So all these things, everything needs trucking. So I think you're going to have a hard time, especially in car insurers as well, because you know, they finally had a drop in used cars price uh, prices on the uh, CPI index last month, but you're going to have a lot of car damages that they can't get cars. Real estate rock stars. This is Aaron Amuchastegui for a quick commercial break. So during 2020 and 2021, the real estate market completely changed. There's so much competition in the market, so many people trying to buy and sell houses, but there's hardly any supply, hardly any product hardly anyone willing to list their homes. It's time for every agent out there to become a hybrid agent investor, to be able to reach out directly to homeowners to try to get them to sell or list their house. We've got a new website, go to leadpropeller.com and you can set up your own investor buyer website in just minutes. You'll set up your own URL, set up phone numbers, help go through the leads, help reach out to people that aren't listing their pro- their property currently and have them fill out a form that says, hey, I wanna sell my house. And then as an agent, you can go through and make them a hybrid offer. You can tell them, hey, I think your house would sell for $220,000 on MLS, but I can either write you a $180,000 cash offer right now, or I can help you fix it up 
and you'll list it for 220,000 on MLS. These are buyers that are looking for quick cash offers. Tens of thousands are submitting these forms every single day and they're skipping the listing process. But so many of you guys out there are such good agents, it's a great opportunity to get that lead and help them maximize sales price for their home. So again, go to leadpropeller.com and think about signing up for your own investor site so buyers will start reaching out to you, asking you to make an offer on their home. Yeah. So, because there's no chips, because there's a chip shortage, you know? And so that's the problem. The, the economy has been built to not withstand these major events. And it, maybe it can withstand some of these, like a hurricane, but not COVID supply shortages already and hurricane. <laughs> so I yeah, guess it's going to be a long time to get stuff going. Take a long time to get stuff going, a long time to get it replaced. And then where, I don't know how many people are going to be, their housing is going to be displaced for a while, right? I don't know if it's going to be a million people and where do they go and where, where, where do they move to? Uh, or do they just wipe their hands, take an insurance check, say, screw it. And they go and migrate like we're seeing other migration pat patterns through COVID. And they say, well, this is going to take forever. I can't do it. I'll just go move somewhere else. I wanted to move anyway, you know, and do this, change my migration patterns. And then you leave these areas destituted, you know, at, at, you know, where these dilapidated houses are just sitting there vacant, which that brings in even lower property values and lower prices and if a million people move and it takes a year to rebuild that house because of the insurance shortage, a million people don't move back. Like that is, uh, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe a couple hundred thousand maybe move back if they can work remote. But most of those people that probably can't, you know, in the you know, those, those are more blue collar areas. If it's you know, I have to take a guess. So it's so it's crazy hard. thinking about the yeah, the it going from the sadness of what's going on across the world to also you know, major, major kind of issue going on out there between Louisiana and Mississippi. We have, we have an apartment complex in Mississippi and, and we'd send somebody out right away to go video to see what's going on with the flooding right now. The other thing that happens is it becomes tougher to build in those areas later because the city's changed all their building laws. So one of our apartment complex that we're remodeling, we're having to raise the floor up a couple of feet and that's a, it turns a hundred thousand dollar remodel into a million dollar remodel and it kind of changes everything forever. So we will watch how that plays out. Uh, hopefully as many people as possible find housing soon and their uh, and power going out. We we, had, we lost power in Texas for four or five days this last year during the, the craziness. And man, that was, that was something else that people were literally like it, feeling like it was the end of the world. And I couldn't, and it was freezing. We didn't have power out here. I don't know how, I don't know how much worse that would be if there'd also be, you know, kind of water everywhere uh, and everything else that we were dealing with. So Let's jump into um, kind of some other kind of real estate news stuff. So one of the things I was posting on my Instagram this week was, hey, we're seeing a slight uptick in months of inventory. Now, looking at Austin, Texas in particular, you know, months of inventory was going down, going down, going down. And now over the last month or two, we've seen it going back. So months of inventory means how many houses sold in the last month compared to how many houses on the market. The funny thing about that news is it's the biggest spike we've seen, you know, percentage wise in months of inventory in years. The same same time, it's bare. It's like 1.3 months of inventory, which mm -hmm. is still a historical low since back, uh, you know, 2019, as low as it got out in Texas before COVID, it was like 1.7. So, I put it out there and I asked people, "Are you seeing a slowdown or not?" And overall, a lot of people said stuff is still selling, but there's you know there's some price adjustments happening. It's taking a little bit longer. It kind of feels like four months ago, any house you put on the market would sell no matter what. 
at what, no matter what price, no matter what the house would sell. And now we're seeing, they're saying, hey, it is slowing down a little bit. What are you seeing up in the Washington market with that right now? Yeah, if I can share my screen real quick. Yeah, let me. I, I need to change your, your, your status on here. I'm not ready for somebody to be so, I'm going to make you a co-host, man. Base. Oh man. It's like the big key shoes to fill, right? Big, big shoes to fill. Now, Elliot Smith hosts the podcast. Here we go. Yeah. So I Redfin has really good housing data. So if you are looking to find data there, you know, this is going to be through July. Um, they, you know, they come out with their data for August, probably mid September, but I think you're spot on where, what I'm looking at right, right away, honestly, is month supply. Month supply is still super low. And I'm, so I'm going to throw out the 2020 stuff in here in the center, but look at January, 2019. Now black is a small County by us. Cause they don't have my hometown, but let's say King County, two months of supply in February, 2019, let's go a year ago. So, or two years ago, 1.7 months supply, Clark County, 2.1, 1.3 Spokane County. You know, we, in July, we're 0. 0.6, 0. 0.6, 0. 0.7, re- really low, but we're up from 0. 0.6. So we're up a little bit. But where I think the trailing indicator is, is very much the sale to list metric. So what you see right here is these lines have gone straight up, right? Sales to list. If you're not listening. So in January, 2021, average sale to list percentage was 101% in January, 2021. In May, it was 107.4%. So that means people are bidding 7.4% above list, right? Yep. But now that's May. May peaked. It's dropped. July, June went down to 106.8. July went to 105.7. So still higher than January. But what that's telling me is buyers are getting fatigued and they are pushing back. Sellers are like, we need to get more than our house neighbor down the street. So we are pushing back. However, yes, for a snapshot there, but let's go back and look at in 2019. Um, So 2019, if we go to King County, they were at basically 99% in you know May, June, July, August. It didn't really go down that much. Now, in some of my other counties, it went down a little bit. So there's always that typical back to school slowdown per se, but it seems different this time, in my opinion. Yes, you're going to see that typical slowdown right now, getting down for the holidays. You'll pick back up. Normally, we see it pick back up September. October, then holidays start slowing down, sales start going down, and that picks back up in February. But it just seems like uh, we need inventory, though. So I don't see there being any issue because we still need the inventory because there's just no inventory on the market. I mean, a healthy market is, well, they say six months, but I think a healthy market is maybe three to four months is still a seller's market, but still has some time to buy a property without yeah. fighting. It takes you a couple months to get a house sold. Like that's probably a feels pretty normal. That's pretty good. If you could sell your house within, two months, the, I mean, real estate's supposed to be fairly liquid. Liquid means you can get the cash in a week, right? Now real estate's kind of turned into like liquid, liquid instead yeah. of supposed to be fairly liquid where if you need the cash, you can get it within a couple months. You got an emergency, you can get it within a couple months. I think the the moral of that story, especially looking at those stats of both, uh, you know, make sure that when you read the news headlines out there, everybody, that you're figuring out what they're saying. We could look at Elliot's thing and saying, months of inventory has gone up 20% in the last month, month over month, right? <laughs> but it went from 0.5% to 0.6%, still at the second lowest it's ever been in the history of Walla Walla, Washington, right? So, um, or, you know, the county. That was King County. That, I mean, that's King County. I mean, it's a big county. King County is Seattle. That, that one I pulled, this is Washington State. So King County is huge, right? 
than King Clark County. And yeah, so that's the important thing is the headlines are crazy. I watched a video this morning on YouTube when I was taking a shower. There's a, a YouTube uh, from CNBC came up and they pulled a headline. It was very interesting because it says, uh, where is it? The U.S. housing mark is the U.S. housing in another housing bubble. And so the conversation goes in, things are slowing. Things are, you know, this is happening. Yeah, slowing, but to what metric? Let's look at the last 50 years of house sales. What metric is slowing? I mean, you still can't buy a house. You're still bidding at 105% above list price. Maybe it's not 107%, but we've never seen this. Real Estate Rockstars, this is a commercial break from our podcast sponsor, Housefolios. We're in real estate to find the next big deal, right? We want to find the deal, make money, and then turn around and do it all over again. It can be frustrating having to search through thousands of properties trying to find that Goldilocks property that is just right for your investment goals. That's why we're here to tell you about Housefolios. Housefolios is a management software for single-family home investors that makes it simple to find good deals, get financing, and manage your property portfolios all from one platform. They're an all-in-one app that lets you easily search for properties, both listed and unlisted, analyze numbers based on your specific assumptions, and provide resources to get you through underwriting and closing. And this is a feature we like most. You can track your numbers at multiple levels. Want to see the returns on the specific property in seconds? Check. How about an entire portfolio of properties you're looking to buy? Check. And then being able to present these properties to investors to become the go-to real estate agent for their investment needs? How awesome is that? Managing your investment properties has never been easier. The best part, it's affordable. Plans start at just $29 a month, 29 bucks to unlock the tools to manage your entire investing cycle, all in one place. Check it out at housefolios.com. And if that's not enough, Housefolios is giving our listeners a special rate on an entire year of Housefolios, just 99 bucks. So instead of 29 bucks a month, 99 bucks for the year, head on over to housefolios.com forward slash RE Rockstars to sign up. Again, head over to housefolios.com forward slash RE Rockstars to get an entire year of housefolios for only 99 bucks. Yeah. If we're going to summarize a bunch of the news the on here, so many of the articles this week, it feels like at least up until a few days ago, people were looking for bad news to push out there. And everyone wants to say the housing market's about to crash. We've got, and I'm going to read these headlines is how scary they are. When we go into the stats, they are not as scary as the headlines make out. And then we'll give some kind of our own predictions at the end. Says Toll Brothers misses on orders as luxury home sales falter. Home sales falter, it says. That's a headline. We've got mortgage mortgage delinquencies sink to pandemic low as U.S. jobs return. All right, that's good news, saying less people uh, are behind on their mortgage. We'll get into that one. Home builders in the U.S. ease up on price hikes as buyers push back. You know, buyers saying they're they're not going to keep paying the higher prices. Landlords from Florida to California are jacking up rents at record speeds. We've got some info about that. Rents are going up like crazy right now. Um, so even though there might be a might be a slow down, if we can even call it that, in some of our sales. Um, it says a tsunami of deferred debt is about to hit homeowners no longer pr- protected by a foreclosure moratorium. So that was one headline at the same time as, but a lot less people are in default because they just started you know, paying their stuff. This was my favorite headline, housing market, black swan bubbling. You know, So the, oh my gosh, what's going to be happening? And then forbearance, forbearance volume begins to plateau. So a lot of different headlines in there. This first headline I want to talk about a little bit. So Toll Brothers 
is the luxury home builder. They've been the luxury home builder. I remember back in 2005, actually writing a report on, you know, Toll Brothers is very confident about the housing market right now as it's going to keep going, but what are we going to do if they're wrong, right? Because back in 2005, 2006, people started to talk about a housing bubble too. Nobody actually saw it or really felt it or acted on it for another 18 months from those the first time those articles were. But it said... Um, their home sales falter. Here's what I wanted to say in of like what, when you're reading the actual headline, it says they had 3,154 orders in over the three month period, 11% higher than the year before, but it said they missed what analyst, analysts thought they were going to sell 3,217 houses and they sold 3,154. So 80 something sales less, but the headline says home luxury home sales falter. Elliot, any any comments, any funny things on you know new home? To me, that's kind of a funny stat because being uh, you know three percent off, you know sales are three percent less than than analysts thought they were. Does not seem like falter to me. It seems like they're still selling luxury homes. Yeah, it, the the problem, is, in my opinion, is you can make stats turn any way you want, right? Look at politics. One guy can say the exact same thing, but tell the stat a different way and turn it into a negative or a positive, right? These guys, they're still, they're dealing with supply chain issues. They're dealing with permitting issues in cities. Regulation is making it harder to do this. How uh, prices have gone so much up, even in the, in the lumber. I mean, at one point this year, OSB, which is sheet of plywood, basically, that you need a lot of to build a house, was costing like $68 a sheet up from like $6, it's now back down to, I actually, my builder said it's back down in the high 20s. I heard it's actually going lower. But these guys probably stopped building some of the things or had issues getting some of these products. So 30, if I sold 3,100 homes, I'm still pre- feeling pretty dang good about myself, right? And, and, and so, and what markets, it doesn't take into consideration what markets are they in? Okay, Toll Brothers, are they in a market that had a bunch of job losses or, or they did they just get couldn't get through permitting or... Or whatever. And then I've also heard with a lot of these builders is they're not actually signing contracts. They're only signing reserve agreements for people because they can't price the home correctly because costs are going so much. So they keep having to raise the prices on these homes. And so instead of just doing a purchase and sale agreement, they're just saying, hey, we'll let you reserve it, but the price will be what it's going to be when we're all said and done. So yeah. that that's the problem. And, and I think we're getting out into, especially with the Toll Brothers, you're they're probably pushing it past a certain affordability level. I mean, you just can't have an economy the way we have it with a lot of low income workers that haven't got a job back. And then people that are doing really well, like there's going to be a lot of people that still can't afford when the median home price has gone up 23% nationwide in the last, in the last 12 months. I mean, it's up to 342,000. That's a decent sized mortgage payment. When you, when you talk about the reservation thing, I could see uh, that takes the benefit out of buying a new home, right? Not necessarily the benefit, but if they're going to price it later, of course, less people are going to sign the contract because if they're going to, I want to get a new home under contract right now, knowing that the market might go up six months from now. I bought a lot of new homes recently, a lot of new construction lately, because the day we close, it's worth more than the day we signed the contract. Like that's awesome. That's what everybody wants to see. But if, but now if they get in contract, they're actually saying we might raise the price 
later on you. That is a different deal. I could see that alone being a reason some of them uh, decide to do that. That's not a, a fun way to do business. Next article says this was from Prashant Gopal Bloomberg, um, one of the real estate guys that covers out there. And I, I've spoken to him a few times when he's trying to you know, look at kind of foreclosure records and try to produce some predictions on that. Uh, his article says mortgage delinquencies sink to pandemic low as U.S. jobs return. So this is, I think, a good news and, and contradicts. So that was on August 19th. On earlier that month, the Washington Post says a tsunami of deferred debt is about to hit homeowners no longer protected by a foreclosure moratorium. Now, that's true. Now, foreclosures are getting turned back on. Banks are not releasing them fast enough yet. We haven't seen a windfall of foreclosures yet, but they are saying now you're allowed to do foreclosures on the ones that you haven't. But the other article says, you know, adjusted delinquency rates dropped to 5.4% of all loans down. So earlier in the year, 8% of all loans were delinquent. Right now, it's 5.5%. That's not that bad. And if we were also going to see another stat, I would guess of the five and a half percent of people that are delinquent, 90% of them have equity. You know, so if they decide to sell their house, we 90%? Talk about probably I mean, if the market went up in the last year, 23 uh, nationwide, 23 and a half percent, you know, most people, I mean, you're seeing places in the, in the country where it's been a linear market, right? Midwest prices normally didn't change that much. They're seeing increases. I mean, it's like, most people are going to be okay. I think in the end of the day, now, if they pull their head out of the sand, that's the problem. Like, do they pull their head out of the sand to actually deal with the foreclosure and sell it before those are the people that make it through to the foreclosure. Usually if they don't deal with it. Right. Totally. We still see foreclosures every month. We've seen it over the last year, even when a lot of foreclosures weren't allowed to happen, all they would have to do is call their bank and say something else during this hot market. All they'd have to do is call any of the, the funny thing about so our, our company, we, we submit out the, we, we give everybody the foreclosure reports for houses scheduled for auction, right? In Texas, every one of those people scheduled for auction has had 10 of our customers knocking on their door saying, let me buy your house. Let me help you, right? Let me, let's make a deal. Let's work together. So they've had ample time and ability to be able to sell it, make a deal before auction. And they're choosing not, and a lot of that is kind of the denial of, I don't think it's going to happen. So of the five and a half percent, that are there, anyone that is strategically in default, I think they are going to go ahead and get to sell their house ahead of time, or they're going to catch up, or they're going to do a refinance because they have equity in the home now. I think we're still going to have foreclosures, but during a healthy market, you know, February of 2020, there's 6,000 houses posted for foreclosure in Texas and, and 2,000 sold. Like that's normal, right? And over the last year, we've only seen 1,500 a month and maybe a few hundred selling. So that's a, a big backlog and a change. So that part of the market, I think that's overall good news. I think the, I'm not afraid of the one that says for foreclosure moratorium expiring, we're going to have a windfall of foreclosures. We're not going to see a windfall of foreclosures, but there is an opportunity for agents out there to go find people right now. So like if you're, if I'm an agent in a city and I'm trying to find deals, I'm going to be buying foreclosure lists from places that get it and going and talking to those people and saying, Hey, you have equity in your house, even though you haven't made a payment, let me help you sell your house. Let me help you walk away with 50,000, hundred thousand dollars. You can start fresh again. Don't wait until it's too late. So for agents that are listening out there, I've said it all year long. I think that's going to be a great opportunity uh, to get out there. Real Estate Rockstars, this is a commercial break from our biggest podcast sponsor we have right now, Rent Ready. It can be fun getting a new real estate deal, but it can be tough managing your properties after the fact, especially if you're long distance investing or trying to manage multiple properties by yourself. That's why we're here to tell you about Rent Ready. RentReady is a property management software that not only makes it easier to manage all your real estate deals from one platform, 
but they also have the best customer service support in the biz. They're an all-in-one app that lets you easily manage properties, collect rent, list units, screen tenants, sign leases, all from your phone or computer. Imagine all of your real estate doors right in your pocket. How awesome is that? The best part is it's so affordable, one flat price for everything. Unlimited properties, tenants, and support with a real live human. And I have to add in there, that's a new business model that not a lot of people are doing. There's like this freemium model where people say, hey, you can try this, but as soon as you grow, it's gonna cost you a lot of money. Or they kind of punish you when you get too many emails on your list or too many companies. They aren't gonna punish you when you grow. They're not gonna charge you more when you get 10, 20, 30 rentals. They're gonna charge you the same when you have two or three as they will when you have 50 or 60. So you have a nice fixed cost, all software, all in one place. Check it out, Rent Ready, R-E-N-T-R-E-D-I.com. And if that's not enough, Rent Ready is giving our listeners a special code you can use to get a whole year of Rent Ready for just $54. Use code R-O-C-K-S-T-A-R-50, that's Rockstar50, and sign up for Rent Ready's annual plan at rentready.com. Again, R-E-N-T-R-E-D-I.com with code ROCKSTAR50 to get Rent Ready for only $54. How about this next one? The, so- uh, I want more comment to add on that. Yeah. So another opportunity, I think, I think where there's going to be, there's going to be an opportunity in the foreclosure space, but I think they just lifted the eviction moratorium and the, and the Supreme court just struck that down. The Congress tried to kick the can that Supreme court said, Hey, you need to make a decision. We'll let it go this time or whatever for CDC, but you guys need to pass a law through Congress. So the Biden administration didn't do anything. They threw out a last minute ditch effort with the CDC, hoping they would buy two months. But the Supreme Court ruled earlier, said, no, you guys were supposed to do something, went away. There's going to be a lot more frustrated landlords that have not been getting paid rent. There was $45 billion allocated to have rental assistance. Less than 10% of that money has gone out. And so the states are screwing this up royally and landlords are tired of not having gotten their rent for the last 12, 18 months. So I think there is going to be a lot of frustration in those situations. And so I think what this really says is the opportunity in the next 12 to 24 months is how can you be a, a servant to people that have had some bad things happen? How do you go with a servant heart? How do I serve a landlord that had somebody not pay their, their rent? How do I help that person? How do I help the tenant find something else? How do I help somebody that's got behind on their mortgage on a delinquencies? This is a time where you can really make hay by actually serving people that have been in a bad situation. Yeah, I think that's totally true. There's a lot of people to be able to serve through this. That whole, um, the whole landlord funding has been so interesting because as a landlord, we got a ton of government help from people that wanted to fill out the forms, but so many of them wouldn't fill out. We would stop by their house and say, here, if you apply for this, we're going to get free rent. You're going to get your rent paid for, for all those six months. And I was amazed by how many people like, I'm not filling that out. I'm not signing that. The, um, and then once they, so Texas had, had turned evictions back on a little bit sooner than the rest of the, the, the rest of the U S. So they, they turned evictions back on a few, essentially a few months ago. They said that, that, yeah, that doesn't work anymore. We can go ahead and, and, and file the evictions. So we started filing the evictions and then everybody's like, okay, now I'll sign the paperwork. So that was frustrating as a landlord to know that the, they had the money available, but the resident that was living there still, ha- still was in control of signing it or not. And the landlord couldn't actually say, this person hasn't paid me in nine months. Can you please pay me? It was the person in the house still had to fill out the form and, and nobody wanted, not nobody, but uh, half 
more than three quarters of the people that were behind, nobody wanted to go through the effort of spending the 20, 30 minutes to fill out paperwork uh, for the financial assistance until it was that or eviction. It was kind of like, they're like, well, you're not, nothing you can do. So I don't have to fill it out. I, I was surprised by that. And I think the, uh, you know, and to get that out, the, the, the key of turning evictions back on is now people will fill out the forms. Now they'll get that assistance and it's going to change. The other extreme to that, are this, this article from the 18th, we were talking about this before we turned on the recording, landlords from Florida to California. So Florida to California, they're just saying anywhere across the US. Landlords across the US are jacking up rents at record speeds. Soaring prices, competition, desperation, the dramatic conditions for US home buyers during the past year and now spilling in to the renter market. Um, some renters are forced to check into hotels while they hunt after losing out on houses too many times. Any, desire, any desirable rental is going within hours, just like the desirable sales. A realtor in, in Tampa, one woman passed on a place that was beat up with water damage. Somebody else decided to rent it afterwards. So it is uh, a really high thing. I'm going to share my screen on, and I've, I've shared a few examples on social media uh, over just the past few weeks where we've had renters where every year we look at what the current rent price is and we've had rent increases from 25 to 30%. We had one yesterday, one today that was raised from 800 to 1200 but they hadn't, their rent had been the same for four or five years. And now it's going up. Some people are like, that's such a big change. It's still below market, right? So they, the reason the renters are saying yes to going from 800 to 1200 is if they were going to go find a place somewhere else, they'd probably be paying 1300. So rents are going up. I've never seen it like this. I've been uh, deep into investing uh, since 2015, never seen it like this. So the chart on Bloomberg that we're looking at is it says cost for new leases skyrocket as apartment hunting gets competitive. And it talked about kind of changes from month over month. And usually like these charts are saying usually in like May and June, the rents increase four and 5%. And then, you know, in Jan December, January, they go back down. And then in 2020, beginning of 2020, it's showing rents went down. So they were like below on, a, on an annual average, you know, middle of 2020, September, 2020, rents would be down one and a half percent from the year prior. And then now 2021 hits on average in May, uh, leases increased 10% year over year in June, 13 point, this is nationally 13.9% year over year in July, 17% year over year is the average rental increase. So now I'm thinking, so as I see my crazy examples are those 20 and 30% ones that's in line with the national average. So on average, anybody that renewed their lease in July was 17% more. So agents, as you're talking to your investors out there, and you're looking at, are they going to buy a, are they going to buy an investment right now based on today's rent? That's like, Hey, this house has a renter in it for 1200 bucks and you can buy the house for a hundred, 140. Maybe it's not worth it this month, but if in two months rent's changing, uh, most residents right now are underpaying by a long shot. What have you seen with rent prices? Oh, hundred percent. I've seen the exact same thing. So I was actually just pulling up a spreadsheet of this uh, multifamily property that we're underwriting and it, it's amazing because the rent is so off that like it might've been really good rent six months ago, but now it's so off in so many different ways. I think I just saw an article that rent has been, uh, has gone up this year alone, 9.2% nationwide. Okay. There's going to be a lot goes back to, there's also mark markets that are migration. There's a migration pattern happening a lot out of with the work to home, work from home revolution. So people are moving to other markets. Yep. I saw that Boise's uh, like 35 or 40% rent increase. You know, Spokane area is 25%. We're in the 20s. 
in our market. So we are looking at a rental that a year ago probably wouldn't have been considered under market rent, but we are underwriting this to rents currently on average are for the 32 units is 26,695. So 834 average. We're underwriting this on a conservative basis to raise those rents to 1,048 as soon as we buy it because they're all month to month. So right there alone, that gives us an extra $6,000 a month, pure net operating income, which net operating income is basically the money you make at the end of the day on a building, how you value these. So another good opportunity for you to serve like your investor clients is looking at properties and understanding like if, especially in the commercial side, if properties are trading off cap rates and net operating income, understanding the rental market really, really well. So you can say, okay, the NOI is 26,000, let's say a month, but I know those rents are 20% below market value. I can see an immediate, who cares if I pay a four cap on this building right now, because I can immediately change that to a six cap as soon as we raise rents in 12 months. Yeah, it is. It is a fascinating thing. I think as agents right now, where it is tough to find deals, especially if you're representing investors, I think some of the low, kind of the low hanging fruit or the ones that you wouldn't expect right now are the ones that are getting marketed at low cap rates of four and 5%, right? And investors saying that's not good enough for me. But if you actually, you know, get into the due diligence on that, you can start to look at, I would tell you guys, if you're going to buy something or you're representing or you're an agent representing an investor, get a hold of those rent rolls. That's the most important thing is what are they currently charging for rent? And when is the lease actually starting over? And then you can quickly look at what are market rents today in those areas. And if you've got more than half of your your properties, if you're buying a pool of 10 houses, or even if you're just buying one, it's so easy to track on one. When's this rent removing? Okay, two months from now, the rent is going from 1,100 to 1,400. That house is now worth 140 when it might've been worth 120 uh, previously. So uh, really cool opportunities out there. It takes a little bit of extra work, but in tight markets, that's what it's all about. And I'll give a great example. So on this same deal we talked about. So if I turn that property from, you know, I have the 26,695 and I go to 33,550 and I'm buying it, that, that deal. So my net cash flow in year one, my NOI goes to a million 45 or 145,000. That's my net cash flow. My NOI, where's my NOI on here? Growth rates. So I, I just built a new spreadsheet last night. So basically, okay, my NOI goes to is 160 in year zero right now, 160,000 a year. And yeah. I'm basically buying it at a 4.62 cap, right? That's a terrible deal most of the time. Say it's a bad deal for sure. Bad deal. Yeah, However, they know. all month to month rents, I can increase that very easily from that uh, 160 to 271. And that deal in year, year one, when I get that thing turned over, is now a 7.8 cap. Yeah. That, that is, is a fantastic the, deal. That is the market of it's it's almost too simple for investors. If you guys are representing investors or you're trying to look at buying your first investment, look at what stuff is renting for. How long has that been their rent? Because some of these places we bought, they've been the same rent for five years. And what's that market rent going to be? There's a big opportunity for you guys out there if you're willing to go work. Last news article I want to share. And then we are out of here as we're finishing this up. This thir- yeah. I mean, this I'm just getting going. Minutes. I'm getting all excited. I love talking yeah, about yeah. this. Our 30 or 40 minutes gone super quick, man. If I wasn't taking my son to tennis soon, we would keep on going. This last one is a, it's one of those articles. It's spo- headlines supposed to be scary. Home builders in the US ease up on price hikes as buyers push back. That would tell you, hey, the market is slowing down. Here's what's funny. They said last month, 
only 62.2% of home builders raised the price month <laughs> over month. When in when month prior, they were it was month when let's see, in June, they 80% of them raised uh, sales prices. In July, only 62% raised sales prices. So this is a Bloomberg article. It says about 62% of home builders raised their prices in July, the smallest since June of 2020. So moral of that story is another one of those. I tr- you're trying to find balanced news articles today of what's going on in the housing market. We see some signs that maybe stuff is slowing down, but slowing down doesn't mean we are going into a crash. I'm still traumatized by 2009. So I always think slowdown means, oh my God, what's going to happen to the market? Our $600,000 house is going to go to 100. Not what I'm seeing in the statistics. Everywhere people are chiming in around there. And I, I encourage you guys, Go find me on Instagram and go look at it and tell me what you think the stats are doing. And one of the things that I'm compiling right now is a, for a bunch of you guys that are listening, I need you to find me on Instagram and send me an instant message with like a recorded, you know, just a recording and say, hey, this is my name. I'm an agent over here or I'm an investor over here in this city. And here's what I've seen happening with the market. I've now compiled maybe 20 or 30 of these messages that you guys are sending me that I'm going to be able to release at least a couple podcasts of interviewing all of you guys this way, just through little pieces. So I want to make sure that you go find, find me on Instagram, send me some of those messages. So I can get on there. I want to hear what's going on with the housing market uh, in your area right now, because we're, I, I say, yes, we're feeling a little slowdown. No, I can't overprice my house for, for $15,000 more than it's supposed to and expect to still get multiple offers in a bidding war. But anything priced properly is still selling instantly. Elliot, final thoughts on predictions in the housing market. What's, what's happening on? Yeah, that last article, it says, oh, home builders not raising prices. Well, that coincides exactly when lumber futures and lumber prices started coming down. <laughs> so they stopped raising prices because lumber started going back down. Right. But they're still raising prices. You're not going to raise your prices and lower them, you know, because you get better margins. So I think I'm very bullish. We're buying. We are pushing, pushing, pushing. Our thought is we want to own as much real estate as we possibly can. Government can't print three and a half trillion dollars or more of money and have inflation not happen and happen in the assets. So the people that have made out really well are in this last 12 to 18 months are people that have assets. And so how do I own as many assets as possible? Um, but that's my thought. We're going for it. We're still being safe, trying to protect our downside and protect our investors. But um, yeah, we have just gotten really good at finding deals off market and adding value to those deals. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very bullish to the, I've been repeating it over and over again. It's a great time to invest, not a great time to speculate. So these, yeah. that would be instead of assuming you know, you can buy it for this and prices will go up next next month. That's not necessarily what I want to be doing. But investing would be finding something that you know the current rent is underpriced, but you can buy it. And by next month, you can add that value. Elliot, if people want to come find you, they can go listen to your podcast, The Real Deals Podcast, Deals with a Z. How else can they reach out to you? Yeah, you. Uh, I'm on Instagram as well. Elliot Smith, REI. It's Elliot with two L's and one T. Um, I started doing TikTok too, but I put a lot of content on Instagram. I am doing videos on the real deals. We also have a YouTube page that we're setting up and getting stuff out there. Elliot Smith, REI. Give me a follow though. I do a lot of questionnaires and I do a lot of free one-on-one and one-hour trainings for people. If they answer some of the questionnaires, give feedback, 
you know, even on this, uh, if you reach out and say, you heard me on this podcast, I'll pick two people and do an hour call with you. And I'm not trying to sell you anything. I don't have coaching program or anything like that to sell. We do also, you can find me at uh, Call Magic Leads. We have a call center that we do use for bigger investors and agents across the country. But uh, yeah, give me a follow and go from there. Yeah, that's so much of it. Not trying to sell you anything, but let's become friends on Instagram. The Elliot and I met on Instagram. The, that's where our friendship started with lots of different messages and stuff back and forth, which has turned out pretty funny. We got to hang out just a couple of weeks ago in Colorado and we'll see what happens next. So Elliot, thank you for joining me on the show. Real Estate Rockstars. Thanks for listening. Thanks, man. All right, Real Estate Rockstars. This is Aaron Muchastegui jumping in again to thank you for listening to the show. Hopefully you guys loved listening to that one. And I want to make sure that you know about all of the extra resources that we have. And also we need your help. They say podcasts are free. You get to listen to podcasts for free. But what is the cost of that podcast? I would say if I could beg you to pay anything for that podcast, I would say the cost of the podcast is going and giving a review. So whether you download it on Google or Apple or YouTube or anywhere else, please go give us a review. Say what you liked, what you didn't like. It helps us get better guests. The more reviews, the higher we get in the rate rankings. Right now, we are the biggest podcast out there for real estate agents. And we want to keep that spot because we know there's lots of podcasts out there. So go give us a review. Also, be sure to go to hybendigital.com. If you liked any of the resources that those real estate agents talked about, we've got a huge video vault of those resources for free. Every penny that comes on the podcast that we interview, they give us something that helps them get their deals or helps them work with their clients. And we put that in the toolbox in our vault for you. So go to hybendigital.com and you can get it. If you're looking for real estate education, go to rebusuniversity.com. We have all sorts of courses in there to help agents succeed in real estate, how to get the listing, how to negotiate deals, you know, how to become an investor, all sorts of different stuff, rebusuniversity.com. And if you want to chat with me, go find me on Instagram. If you come find me on Instagram, you can send me messages. Tell me what you want to hear. Tell me what you liked, what you didn't like. We try to put a bunch of content out there too. You can find me in two different places. It's at rerockstars.com for our Real Estate Rockstars page or at erinamuchastegui.com for my personal Instagram page where I can chat with you about all sorts of different things. Thanks for listening. We'll see you again soon. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>